Listening to music online is different than going to a concert. Uh, anyone enjoy going to a concert? Uh, this past year, my wife and I went to a Coldplay concert, and for years we had listened to the song called Yellow. And it was one thing, I remember being in a college dormitory listening to Coldplay sing Yellow for the first time I heard it. It was another thing to wear this bracelet that I didn't know was going to light up yellow at Soldier Field with thousands of other people and now be part of that song. That was a different thing. It was something we experienced uh, when we celebrated our musicians. Our musicians do such a fantastic job. And um, absolutely. And we were trying to celebrate them. And so we went to this concert. It was called Elevation Worship Nights. Um, and I listened to Elevation Worship for quite a while. When I'm doing work at church, it's usually Elevation Hill song, you know, some other things. I'd heard these songs, you know, many, many times on repeat. And it was one thing to hear them in the office. Another thing to be in the now arena, feeling the bass in my gut as rattle was going on, their closer. I had listened to Pastor Stephen Furtick. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Uh, probably a thousand times. I, I listened to him for years, decades even. And um, it was another thing, though, to see him in the flesh. There he is before me preaching the word of God. And what I recognized is that being online, that is something, but it's not the same thing as in per person. Have you recognized that? Being online is something, but it's not the, the same thing. Uh, as kids go back to school, and now we're done with COVID, some of you might remember what it was like to tune into that class and some of you workers to get to that Zoom meeting. And it was something to do that, but it wasn't the same thing as being in class. It wasn't the same thing as being at the conference table looking them in the eye. We experienced this as a staff. It was something to take in the Global Leadership Summit online. You could get the content. But it wasn't the same thing as actually going in person. I bring this up because today we're talking about worship. And like the rest of the world, two years ago, the church pivoted in a major way. And I still remember the novelty of the pivot. When we couldn't gather, and we went to Facebook Live, and some of you still remember 777. We talked about seven practices, seven perspectives, seven psalms, and it was amazing. And in some ways, we connected more then than ever before because instead of weekly, we were meeting daily. You could get this content. We had this connection. Hey, thanks for showing up. I remember our first worship service after, you know, the, the, the lockdown. It was a cell phone. We used a cell phone in the back. That, that's all we did. And, and the novelty of it, no, you can still hear, you know, and, and you can still hear the sermon. There's connection. Wow. And then the amazing work of David Wells and our tech team, we pivoted even quicker so that by the next Sunday it was better and kept going, right? In fact, uh, as we look at Vision Sunday, if you would just look at what we have done online last year versus this year, hopefully you can see just the grace of God and the improvement. Thank you, guys. But then the novelty wore off. <laughs> and then things started to normalize. And I was two years later, and, and what used to be like, whoa, more connection, now was just a recognition that this was something, but it wasn't the same thing. And you missed seeing people. And you missed looking them in the eyes, and you missed hearing the congregation singing, and you missed what it was to be together. And so unlike any other time before, we experienced our first takeaway. And so if you're taking notes, here it is, that worship was truly better together. 
And, and I still remember when people started coming back and, and they were here in the first time seeing the tears in their eyes because they knew there, there was something different being here than just being at home. And as we've welcomed many more people back and people are coming back, we, we just continue to emphasize, yes, it's something online, but it's not the same thing. And so we would love to see you because we're better together. Do you know, this is a word that has been shared through all time. I think it's what the writer to the Hebrews had in mind uh, when, when he wrote this. He wrote, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's one of the things that happens when we meet together. See, uh, something I experienced as pastor is that people could see me and they could be encouraged by me and they could hear God's word by me, but I couldn't get it from them. And I got to tell you, you're beautiful people. Like, I like seeing your face, Right? And there's something that happens both ways when we meet together, when we see facial expressions, when we sing together. At home, you only have it alone, but here it's a one-anothering. It goes in a circle. It goes back and forth. It's great. And he goes on to say, not giving up meeting together. And I wonder what their reasons. Probably not COVID. As he's writing to a Jewish audience that just turned to faith in Jesus Christ, it might have been persecution. They might have had legitimate threat if they would gather together as a group. But Paul says, or sorry, the writer of the Hebrews says, no, no, no. But even so, that's the case. Even though you have a really good, don't, don't give up meeting together. And why? Because you can get something on your own. But you can't get the same thing as in community. The word of God is still efficacious no matter the medium. We, we experience that, but, but you can't get the, the same experience as talking with someone else about the word. And, and what did you get today? In fact, a really good pastor named Andy Stanley, um, he put it in a memorable way. Um, he, ha he had this to say, that when it comes to doing things alone, content consumption, it's no replacement for community. And we live in an age where you can find a better preacher than I Probably not of Pastor Jeff, but of I, online. You can find other music online. But you can't have community. You'll still be alone. And so welcome back. <laughs> and good to see you. It's good to be here. In fact, what we're trying to do next Sunday is fill this place. So I want to let you know that next Sunday is our kickoff Sunday, and a few things about it. We have um, a new series called Pleasantville starting. Um, it's going to be about what God says about the good life. Um, we have free ice cream for anyone who's coming. Uh, we're going to have prayers and emphasis for those who are back to school, for our kids who are getting back to school, and it's going to be phenomenal. And so your invitation is think of who you're going to invite. Who's going to show up with you to experience the power of community and the power of worship? And to guide us more on this idea of the power of worship, I want to turn to the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, if you have uh, your handout, feel free. Uh, we're in Psalm 84. A little bit about the book of Psalms. One of my favorite is the book of Psalms, uh, right in the middle, easy to find. Uh, but these are songs that used to be sung in worship. And we don't know exactly what the melody was like. Um, it's interesting that over time, this could be a whole other discussion, that it was probably genuine to their heart language. 
that every culture and time and space has their own heart language, a, a rhythm, a sound that, that feels right for them. It was probably in that sound. It probably wasn't the organ. They didn't have the organ back then. Um, it probably wasn't a guitar. They didn't have a guitar. But it probably was true to their authentic selves and what it was to worship the Lord with these psalms. And Psalm 84 is one that gets our sights on the beauty of what it is to worship, to gather. Psalm 84 is one that says, man, it is lovely to come to this dwelling place of the Lord Almighty. And my prayer for you is that you'd start to see as the psalmist sees. And that God would work in your heart if he hasn't already. The same heartbeat for what is offered when we come together to meet Jesus. So you ready for this? I'm going to invite you to stand, gets the blood flowing a little bit, and also it gives honor to our God who has this word for us. Uh, from Psalm chapter 84, here it is. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God, Look with favor on your anointed one. Some, by the way, say this is a reference to the king, to King David he's praying for, uh, that their nation might be blessed. Good to pray for our leaders. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. These are the words that we get to explore. Before you sit down, could you turn to someone next to you and say, you were made to praise, you were made to praise, you were made to praise, you were made to praise. Please be seated. So before I drove two Priuses, not one but two, Priuses are that awesome. I know, I know, it's cool. I'll try not to flex too hard on you. Um, before I was driving two Priuses, I was rocking a Daewoo Laganza. Can you, can you bring up the Daewoo Laganza? If you haven't heard of a Daewoo, uh, this was a South Korean car that only had a little bit of time in America. Um, and, and, and then, for whatever reason, probably because they weren't good cars, faded away. This represents one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. Uh, so this was gifted to me by my parents, and I was like, wow, I got a car. I didn't have to pay for it. Yay, Daewoo. But this is a story about the Daewoo's demise. It's my vicar year in South Carolina. We were driving back from Florida, and we were in nowhere isolated South Carolina. Just think of like fields, like you have no idea where you are, like no cell phone coverage, right? And while we're driving, the Daewoo is knocking. The engine is just like, you can hear the pistons, like it, it is bad. And so we break down, and we're um, on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. Now, it's one thing to do this as a bachelor. It's another thing when you're recently married and you have an infant in the car. You know what I'm saying? So Bella is one year old right now. And so we wait for a tow truck, and it comes, you know, not as soon as you want, because everything is not as soon as you want in that situation. 
We drive to Yemassee, South Carolina. You can look at it on a map. It's nothing splendorous, but Yemassee, South Carolina. When we get there, it is slash junkyard slash shop. It is the type of place filled with so much grease and debris and old tires that in a minute, Bella, who is, you know, into everything at that point, has like a black face, you know, just with the smudges of the grease and the dirt and the tar and whatever else is in there. It is over 100 degrees and there is no air conditioning. We go to a gas station thinking, well, of course they're going to have air. Not at all. Just a cooler with some water, place to pump gas. We are stuck. When we come to our car, we see a guy who I didn't even know worked there because he was just sitting on the curb when we arrived, start taking apart our engine. I knew this wasn't going to end well. The day we was dead. And I, more than any other time, wanted to be one place and it was not there. I never longed for more being home. Where it was a safe place, where it was a cool place, where we know it was going to happen. I never longed for home more than I did in that moment in Yemassee, South Carolina. In fact, when the pastor finally came to pick us up, drove us two hours back, when I got to the apartment that day, I kissed the carpet. I literally remember being crossing, kissing the carpet. We're home! Have you ever been in that situation? You know where you want to be, but you can't be there. For some of you, it might have been an airport, and you're facing delays and cancellations, and you're like, I cannot wait until this ordeal is done. I need to be there. I need to get there. Oh, my goodness. Kids who are back at school and just remember freedom, you already can't wait for the weekend. I, I can't wait for school to be done. Friday, here we go. Workers in vacation, you're, you're at work and you're dreaming about that vacation spot. I can't wait until we go to the cabin. Can't wait for the beach. Wait for Hawaii. I bring this up because that's the psalmist emotion. When we turn to Psalm 84, what we have is someone who knows where he wants to be, who longs to be there, but cannot be. And in his longing, in his fondness of where he knows he wants to be, he says, my soul yearns. I'm even fainting for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This psalm is a corollary to Psalm 42 and 43, where a line you might have heard is this, that as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. That's the feeling and emotion the psalmist has to the degree that he's even jealous of the birds. He goes on in verse 3 and he says, You know, the, the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. It's describing the trees by the temple courtyard and the birds, they get to live there. They get to dwell there. They get to be there and see what's going on in the presence of God. And I can't. Oh, I wish I was a bird. When we see what the psalmist sees, I believe we'll have the same kind of yearning. In fact, if you're taking notes, this is what I believe. That if we would see worship rightly, we would have a longing. The same kind of longing, like when you're stuck somewhere you don't want to be and you know exactly where you want to be. Stuck in that bad place, you know what it would be like if you're in that good place. That's the kind of longing when we see this place aright. In fact, one of my visions for amazing love is that when you would come to worship, you'd come with expectation. And I don't know if you ever grew up and I had this prayer book where I'd, I'd pray a prayer before worship. 
Um, it, it was a scripted prayer, and it set my heart right. I'm praying that this would be a place where, where you're so expectant because you know God is going to move. You're so expended because you know what you need. You're so expended because out of all the places, you know this is where you want to be as you get to meet with God and know his love. Because this is what I believe. This is why there should be a longing, our next point, that we all need a place to praise. We all need a place to praise. You and I were made to praise. And the question isn't if you will praise. The question is what will you praise? The question isn't if you will worship. The question is, what will you worship? I consider Paul's dichotomy of the things that we were made to praise. There's really only two options. In the book of Romans, it says this. They and us, they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. And so then there are two options for our praise. You can either worship a created thing or the creator. As an exhibit that we were made to praise... I consider the return of football. Anyone excited for football? I consider this fan right here, Bear Down. That's a guy who's made to praise, right? And you might wonder if that's a good option for his praise. I'm not sure. Is it going to be the Bears' year? Probably not. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're rebuilding. But he was made to praise. It's like, I got this praise in me. I'm going to use the praise here in this avenue. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint it. I'm going to take time. I'm going to use money. I was made to praise. Here we go. For some of you, it's not sports. For some of you, it's a possession. It's that thing that you polish. It's that thing that you clean. It's that thing you give time and attention to, put on display. Like, wow, look at that thing. You're made to praise. For others of you, it's kids. Kids are wonderful blessings, beautiful blessings. You're made to praise, and so you give time and you give attention, give admiration to our kids because you're made to praise. For still others, it's ourselves. We give time and attention to prop ourselves up, to put ourselves on Instagram, ourselves on social media, ourselves in front because we're made to praise something. But at what point does this man realize he's just got the name of another dude on his back? At what point does he realize that if the Bears would get his primary praise, that would be a letdown? At what point don't we realize that nothing else is suited for our primary praise? Nothing else deserves our primary worship and the cry of our hearts. They're all counterfeit. Ourselves, our kids, as good as they might be, they're all counterfeit objects of worship. For there's only one who deserves all praise. There's only one from whom all blessings flow, from whom all created things are from. There's only one who in every age, in every place, in every generation, in every space and time is forever praised, and that is the creator God, the God we've come to see, the God we've come to worship. And I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 61. He says this, from the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. There it is again. He, he's longing. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Our heart of hearts exposes that there has to be something greater than what the world is praising. There has to be something greater than me and all the other options. And the psalmist says, there is that rock. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is higher than all the others. 
He's the only one higher than our sin as he died in our place. He's the only one higher than death as with him is eternal life. He's the only one higher than even the best love of your life because the best love of your life does not have unfailing love and cannot be the strength of your heart and your portion forever. There is only one who is meant to do that and that is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is higher than all the others. And so what's great about being in this place is our heart of hearts finally sings because our heart of hearts finally knows I'm finally in the spot that is deserving of my praise, that is deserving of my allegiance, that is deserving of my time and attention like nothing else. And so it's good to be here. You know, there is a a portion to this sermon where I'm like, I probably even don't need to tell you the beauty of worship because when you're truly in love with something, no one needs to tell you to praise, right? There is this lyric to a song that says, it's less like something to believe and more like falling in love. And I And I kind of resonate with that. Do you remember what it was like to fall in love with something, someone? Remember those days? For me, back in the day, you had calling cards. And no one had to convince me to spend time uh, with my future wife. You'd use the whole calling card, like 100 minutes, just watching a TV show together. Like, you're not even talking about anything significant. You are simply watching TV together from different states because we want to spend some time together. When you're in love, you don't have to convince um, that, that person to talk about what they're in love with. They do it. Oh, you should meet her. Oh, they're amazing. Oh, I can't believe. Right? When you're in love, no one has to cajole you to do something for the thing that you love. <laughs> I was debating on telling this story. Maybe we'll edit it out. But, um, so Kat was the first one to say I love you. And so I, I knew I was just debating and all that kind of thing. And it finally hit me, right? And I, I remember being in New Orleans, Minnesota, where there's a ton of snow, and I don't I go big. And so in the middle of light, 2, 2 a.m., I take gallons of water, and I, I fill them with uh, food coloring, red food coloring. And that was at my paint. And I remember um, at 2 a.m. being in the back of, of her house and uh, with my, my paint in, in the snow with this food coloring. The whole backyard had eye and then a big heart and then cat. I love cat. That's what I did. And she didn't tell me to do it. And no one twisted my arm. Because that's what love does. You know what I'm saying? When we see Jesus, and no one compares, does anyone really need to conjole? Does anyone really need to convince? Does anyone really need to twist your arm to go talk about him, see him, and praise him? No. He is the lover of our souls. So we're here to worship him. And there's no other place we'd want to be. But there's even more reasons on why to gather. Even better. You know, I was uh, considering a quote uh, from Augustine of Hippo. Uh, I kind of love this idea. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Kindle and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love and let us run. My vision for the future is what if we ran after God to the degree that he ran after us? What if we gave to God to the degree that, that, that he gave to us? What if our response was just trying to outdo him, even though we couldn't? amazing. And not only amazing, but think of all the things we get. You know, talk about the wonder of worship. Um, I don't know if anyone has experienced sunburn this summer. 
If it was your neighbor, you don't have to poke them or look at them or laugh at them. But it's something crazy because us northerners, when we get out from hibernation into the sunshine, we're not used to it, right? So you go from winter trying to be on a beach day and your skin's not used to it. If you go in the north and you go to the south, they're like, this is an intense sun that I'm not used to. And so if you've been there, you know what it's like even to put the suntan lotion on and to be like red lobster, maybe even blistering. Maybe you've been there. If you have been there or if you have loved ones been there, you know the good of putting this on. Anyone been there? You know the good at the end of the day, nothing says love like a loved one slathering that on your back that is just like radiating, right? Just feels good. I bring this up because we all get burned. And I'm not talking about literal sunburn. I'm talking about the pain of life. We all have problems. We all have hurts. We all have bruises. And we all need healing. And so the psalmist, he says this. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. And the autumn rains also cover it with pools. A little bit about that valley. Some would say it's not an actual valley. It's just a picture of pain. It's a picture of tears. It's a picture of hardship. But when we come to worship, what happens? We come to a God who has green pastures and still waters. We come to a God who wants to give us relief. And that's what he does. So one of the good reasons to be here in worship is simply to be refreshed. And that's what I love about these moments. I love our time of confession. Because during the week, I put on a social mask. You ever put on a social mask? I fake people out with the best of them. I'm great. Everything's good. I'm fine. And I come here, I can't hide from God. He knows everything. And I get to tell him I'm burnt. I get to tell him I'm bruised. I get to tell him it's because of me. I was lax. Like, I, I wasn't paying attention, God. And then he puts the bomb on it. And he says, but you're loved. You're forgiven. You're released. During the week, there's so much that is heavy. So much responsibility. So much going on in the world. And you can walk into this place feeling that. But here is a moment where we get to give God our burdens, the one who daily bears them. Where we hear God say, come to me, all you are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. It's the opportunity to leave a little bit lighter because the solution is not going to be about your strength. It's about him fighting for you, him carrying your burdens. When we come to worship, sometimes we have bleeding hearts, fears, doubts, people. And God restores our hearts. He heals our hearts with his promises. He says, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I'm not leaving you. I'm working right now for your good. And that's why it's so good to come here. In fact, have you ever experienced it where you were in a funk and then that funk was flipped simply because you met with God? I'm going to use an old phrase, but if I had a nickel, if I had a nickel for every time I was in a funk and then my heart was flipped, I'd have a lot of nickels. What about you? That's what God does. That's why it's so good to be here. But there's more. The psalmist goes on, he says this, They go from strength to strength till each appears before Zion, 
And why we need to come to worship is we all need a place to be strengthened. That's our next takeaway. That's our next point. We need to be strengthened. And Pastor Jeff did a beautiful job of describing why this is the case. Last week, if you were with us, he said, man, you're going to face some storms. We're all in a boat. And we got to get used to sailing in high winds. And we just experienced that. COVID was a high wind, wasn't it? COVID brought something for each one of us in its own timing, in its own way. But what's interesting, and this you can even study, that those who kept seeing the Lord, those who kept worshiping, those who kept coming, they were strengthened. And they dealt better when it came to mental and emotional health than those who didn't. Faith meant something. And so I remembered, man, I can't do COVID by my own strength. But, but this might speak of my weakness. I don't know an area of my life that I can do by my own strength. Maybe that just speaks to me. I don't know how to do marriage without the strength of Jesus. I don't know how to do a job without him coming through. I don't know how to take care of my body without Jesus. I don't know how to do any relationship without him coming through and being the strength that I do not have. And that's what he gives. That's why it's good to be here. And friends, I could preach on and on and on about how good it is to be in worship. I could tell you about him being your shield, protecting you from evil. I could tell you about the favor that he gives to those who are blameless through faith. They are blameless. And the favor that we experience is why we need to praise. I go on and on and on. But to close, I just want to give you a picture of what it's like to meet Jesus. So the story I have for you is Jesus who had to go through Samaria. And it wasn't common to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews hated Samaritans so much that they'd go around Samaria so they wouldn't have to interact. And Jesus had to go to Samaria to meet a woman at a well. And when he met with her, they had a conversation about what was going on. And she was convicted. What Jesus was saying is, you're burnt, you're bruised. But then he offered the balm. He told her he was the Messiah. And through that invitation, gave her a chance to be healed. From that moment, she went out and she had to tell. She had to praise. She had to worship. And so she went out and she told everyone, hey, come meet the person who told me everything about me. The person who healed me. And then in Samaria, look what happened. The Samaritans came to him and they urged him to stay. And he stayed two days. And because his words were many more, they became believers. And these Samaritans who were rejected now felt accepted. These Samaritans who thought they were unloved are, are now loved. Locked in fear and guilt and shame. And they are released for the very first time. All because they met with Jesus. Isn't that what happens to us? Over and over, each week, the devil is convincing me, you're not loved, you're rejected, you're guilty, you're not enough. And it's only through hearing the gospel, no, you're loved. You're worthy, you're my child. That's what we want each week. But it's not just for us. Do you know someone right now who's going through a tough time? Do you know someone who is feeling unloved or unlovely? Someone who feels rejected? Someone who feels like God is not for him? God's against him? Don't we want for them what we've received? And so our next step, our takeaway, 
is to invite someone to worship. We have kickoff Sunday. We're going to get free ice cream. You have this business card invitation. You can put it on someone's desk. You can mail it. Um, you can give it personally. Let's have others experience what we experience all the time. Let's let them see there's someone higher than all the world offers. There's someone greater than anything that's worthy of praise. The only one worthy of praise, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May God prompt you to do so. Now let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, would you change our vision, change our vision, our hearts, to see what the psalmist sees. See, out of all the places in the world, this is the best place to be. The local church, amazing love. Because here we meet with you. And here you do for us what no one else can do. Lord, thank you for the balm of healing. Thank you for your forgiveness and love. Let it extend to so many more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now we have a chance to encourage one another. Uh, the way we do this is just by confessing our faith, who God is, what he's done for us. Uh, if you're comfortable, feel free to join us in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.